welcome to church. How's everybody doing? Well, so good to have everybody. You guys might be seated in the house. And man, if you were not here this last Tuesday, you missed out. Why weren't you here? Excuses, excuses, excuses. Okay, I get it. But man, we had uh, worship night this last week, and it was absolutely incredible, man. God was moving. Open window from heaven is absolutely unbelievable. And I know this past week, my mom um, turned 64 on Thursday. So we all went to eat as a family. Yeah, 64 is a big deal, yeah. It's a big deal. I know I don't look a day over 25, so how does that work out? I don't know. But um, she turned 64, and um, uh, we were all sitting around the table, our family, and one of my brothers that uh, uh, is, you know, knows of Pearl Street Church, been a part of Pearl Street Church, is no longer part of Pearl Street Church. He's at my brother's church. He's back at my brother's church. But he was there, and he's at the end of the table, and he was telling this story. He starts telling this story just in general towards the table, just throwing it out towards the table. He said, man, just the other day, last, last Sunday, uh, I went home, and he's on staff at my brother's church. And, uh, you know, if you're on staff and you're in church, you know Sundays are crazy. You guys come and enjoy we're working really, really hard and serving the Lord with our talents. It's awesome. Um, but when we get home, man, we are out like trout, man. And I tell you, uh, if you're on staff of a church and you are serving the Lord well, you get home and probably, or you're just serving your host. You get home, you're probably in REM sleep in like two minutes. You're like, oh, you know, you're just out. So he, my brother's telling this story. He's like, I went home and I was tired. And, ah, and I hit the couch and I laid down and Normally I just go to sleep, but he's like, it's like I wasn't in a sleep. I was like almost having a vision. And he goes on to just generally tell the story to the whole table. He's like, yeah, I had this vision that I walked up to Pearl Street Church and I opened the doors wide open. And I went from like, what he says, like went from like the natural into like I walked into heaven. He literally said like, I walked into heaven as if like I went natural straight into heaven and I was in heaven. Like there was no more pain. There was no more sorrow. There was no more like worry or stress or anxiety. I could tangibly touch heaven. And I'm like, you're just generally telling this to the story on Thursday. You couldn't text the brother, the, the, the pastor of the church. You couldn't tell me, you know, you have this experience of the doors opening up in heaven. Really? Uh, and uh, he, he, he did not even text me. He did not even text me. So all that to say, uh, you're in heaven today. According to the vision. So, hey, no more pain, no more stress, no more anxiety. You're in heaven. Amen. Hey, owners of the house, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being an individual that's taking responsibility in this house. Look around you right now. There's a whole lot of people that are new to Pearl Street Church trying to figure out what their next step is spiritually. And your sacrifice is making it a reality. So thank you for being an owner inside of this house, praying, believing, giving, serving inside of this house. This is how church is built, right here. So thank you for giving and doing what you do to make Pearl Street amazing. Give it up for yourselves, amen. We're in a very unique time as a church. It's a really cool moment in time on December 5th. You'll really know what kind of time that we are in, but I'll tell you, there's just uh, really powerful things that happen when you're under that pressure cooker of life. Um, and I'll tell you, our church is in that season where this may be the most uh, challenging time we've ever walked through in the history of our seven years. I mean, we're old now, seven years old, um, but it could be the most challenging time, the biggest faith step we've, we've ever taken in our history. And I believe the God 
that is in the beginning where we took the initial step is the God that is at work now, and he's going to see us through. You know, this past week I had, um, I had this instance, this, uh, this thing that's going down, and I'll, it's to be continued, but I'll share the opener on it. I was walking with my kids on Thursday in to Mod Pizza, or Wednesday to Mod Pizza. They love Mod Pizza. On, that's our Wednesday adventure after uh, mom usually works late, does surgeries, and she was doing surgery and doing this whole bit, and I'm walking the kids in. Mod Pizza. So we're walking in. You ever had that moment where somebody's watching you, like looking at you, and you're like, what? And they catch your eye. So I'm walking my kids in, and you know, you're like, predator, who is this? Or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> you're in defense mode. You're like, oh, hey. And it was like this, this lady that's probably 75, 70, 75 years old, and she's standing on the side of Mod Pizza, kind of in the road, but not in the road. It's a very obscure place to be because there's no sidewalk right there, but this individual that's not a transient individual, meaning le- living on the streets, but they're not an individual that's like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, established, whatever that is, whatever you... And so she's just staring at me. She's just like staring at me, just kind of like, I was all, you know, just walking with my kids like, ah! So no lie, I'm like, what in the world was that? And it has the face. You ever seen somebody that's just looking at you with a face of like, like something's going on. You're like, you want to ask them a question. You're like, what's, what's going on here? And then uh, um, the next day I do my message, have all the stuff in on Thursday. So I'm at a Starbucks. I'm in this Starbucks and I get done with my message. I order the drink, got my drink, do this whole bit. And the next, I stand up to leave. It's like 15 or 20 minutes in. Lo and behold, who is sitting at a table right there in Starbucks with stuff all out in front of her, just staring at me with the same exact face? It's her. You know what I thought in that moment? I'm like, do you have something for me? Is there something God wants to say to me? What is this? And I've told you guys the stories before on the southeast side of San Antonio. I see Bobby here today. I grew up with Mr. Bobby right here. This is awesome. I see Bobby. What's up, Bobby? But Bobby would know this story. On the southeast side of San Antonio, you wouldn't know the story, but you would know. Southeast side of San Antonio, WW, or on on Rigsby Road, uh, there's a Taco Cabana over there on the southeast side of San Antonio. My mom's going through this time of prayer. You may have heard this story before. Over my life, you know, uh, freshman year, sophomore year, Bobby would probably know. Don't say anything today, Bobby. Don't say nothing to nobody because he, you know, he, he may know some stuff, you know, about stuff I reference in general. He knows specifics. Um, so life in which I'm living, that may, you know, I'm out there, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. My mom's praying over my life. What is the sun? What is this all about? Southeast side of San Antonio, Wednesday night, youth group is all there. You know, my parents are there. We're sitting at this table. A guy walks in, blonde hair, white, all the way down, tan, a whole bit. Doesn't order anything from Taco Cabana, just comes and sits down at the table next to us, taps my mom on the shoulder and says something specific towards me to my mom. And as an answer to my mom's prayer, she's been praying for six weeks over my life. He gets up after that and just leaves. The Bible says, careful how you treat people. You never know, you might be entertaining angels. And here's the deal, in the tense time moment like this in, in, in the church, I would not be surprised if God sends obedient individuals that hear from the Lord and or angels themselves to interact on our behalf to keep us along for the journey. So it's a TBD, to be C, TBC, there you go, to be continued story going on. Because I set my car right after that because I was like, hey, how you doing? Do I say something? I got my car and I'm like, do I go back in there and say like, do you have a message from the Lord for me? You know, (laughs) please tell me something that would enlighten my whole life or whatever it is. So if I see her again, I'm definitely asking her and if it's epic, I'm going to tell you. If it's not, I'll probably tell you anyways, but uh, all good. 
So here we go. We're in this series called uh, Romans. We're literally going over the book of Romans in general concepts here today. We're not a verse by verse church, all good in the hood, but we've talked in general. Week number one, Romans one, as it talks about, man, the world is messed up. Here's the deal. We're messed up, but Jesus is the solution. It's been the problem of humanity for a millennia. It's not new to us. It's been existent from the beginning of time, right? We fall in state. Last week we talked about, we get salvation with benefits. Jesus is the solution to God's, to man's problem. It's God's solution for it. It's in the body of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood, his life for our life. We were due the penalty of uh, judgment by God, but in his grace, he gave Jesus Christ and his blood was spilt, his life for our life, right? And so we talked about salvation with benefits. Well, the benefit is, man, we get the family of God. We get the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We get this beautiful thing. We were never meant to be alone. We were always meant to be in relationship, but we live in a culture here today that says what? Isolate. You can do it yourself. Go alone. That's not the way God has designed it. We are meant for this. So we got to be present. We're not just here to be consumers. We're here to be contributors. Amen. We're not just close to Christ. Christ lives on the inside and we're at work building his church. So this week we're going to talk about it in general because we talked about belief. Chapter, Romans chapter 1 through 11 is all about belief. It's all about belief. This is what we believe. This is what the problem is. This is the solution. This is God's grace. We're justified. All of this. Now we're going to talk about behavior. Now when we talk about behavior... It's very easy to just say, like, this is how you need to live. Now, we can sit up here, I can sit up here for the next five years, week on week, and talk about how different behaviors need to be in alignment with God's expectations, right? Whether it's with your money, whether it's with your sexuality, whether it's with your um, relationships, I can sit up here and say, hey, God has an expectation, we need to behave like this. It'd be very, I mean, it's easy to do that. Now, it's hard. It's not very easy in a politically correct society to talk about that stuff because people don't like necessarily talking about that. And maybe at some point in time, we'll have a whole series where we just call it sin. And we talk about all sin and just go down the road. And maybe it'll be a year-long series or a two-year-long series. We're probably not going to do that. But here's the deal. I want to talk in general about behavior because you look at Romans chapter 12 through 15, or 16, really through 15, it's talking about behavior, behaviors that's in alignment with the belief that was established in verse, or chapter 1 through 11. And to, I want to talk in general towards that today. So you want to take notes, you can write behave across the top of your paper. Anybody have some parents inside of here that has ever told you behave, right? Are you any parents in here? You just like saying, behave. It's just easy to be like, behave. Don't make us look bad. We're really good parents. Please show that we're good parents, right? Don't make us look bad. The other part of that is like, behave so that you don't uh, disqualify yourself from somebody watching you when we need babysitters for free. <laughs> right? Just behave, right? Just do as we're asking you to do. Now, I'm an individual that definitely likes to push the boundaries on that. I'm definitely going to press into that. Like they say behave, I'm going to be like, well, how much do I behave? Right? Like help me understand what limits I can have. I like the idea of pressing that. Now, I don't want, to look, I want you to look bad, but I definitely want to do everything you say. And so my parents, you know, I was a little, I was that child, the jokester, the crazy one, a little loud, whatever it is. I was that. But here's the deal determined on our, whatever we believe is ultimately going to determine what, how we behave. And so if we believe that it's in our best interest and those that put those parameters in place has our best interest, more than likely we're going to behave. If we agree with the individual that's telling us to behave, more than likely we're going to, or we believe in that, we're more likely we're going to behave. Now, a good illustration moving beyond childhood is into this place of our driving behaviors. 
If we believe that the speed limit is a directive because the person that put that speed limit in place has their best interest at heart, then we're believing in the rule. So we're saying, okay, we're gonna behave in alignment with the rule. So more than likely we're gonna drive the speed limit, right? Now, on the other hand of that, if we believe it's a suggestion, <laughs> then more than likely our behavior is gonna be in a place where what? We drive maybe five, 10, 15. And for those of you that are really uh, enjoy driving your vehicles 20 miles over, <laughs> right? If you believe on the front end and what the, the intent is, right? If you believe that it's your best interest is to keep everybody else safe, it's to keep you safe, you know, you're gonna behave like, I'm driving the speed. If you're like, it's a suggestion, I know better, I have a better idea, then more than likely your behavior, you're going to fluctuate, right? And how you behave in your driving. Now here's the deal, we all have an influence that's tied towards our behaving today in our driving. Anybody have a parent that was a calm driver? Anybody have parents that was an aggressive driver? That's me. Okay, one time my dad, who is now a pastor, took a water bottle and threw it at a vehicle. Okay, that was my formation. So when I started driving, I did not want the sins of my father to be the sins of his son. So therefore, I never threw water bottles. I just aggressively drove. <laughs> right? You, we have a formation to our belief, right? We have a, a formation whether we believe in what it is, but then we, there's a, a living that is understood that now there's behaviors that are in alignment with that formation. And we may have to re-examine the formation. The, the formation of what our, our belief system may need to be re-examined. Why? Because our behaviors may be in alignment with the right belief. And this is essentially what Romans is talking about. It's like, hey, you, you gotta change some things about the way you are thinking so that your behaving can get in alignment with God's expectation. Because you, your formation may need a re-examination, right? Well, what, what usually gets us there inside of our lives? Enough pain might get us to a place where we say, I no longer wanna believe like this anymore, and nor do I wanna behave like this, right? Well, once, you, once you're in a relationship and you are behaving a certain way in a relationship and the outcome of that is constantly leading towards abuse, constantly leading towards shame, constantly leading towards a value, you know, lack of value, and you find yourself constantly in a state of like, oh, in your relationship, normally you go back and be like, why do I believe this about myself that I should be treated this way? Why should I believe this? My value is far greater than the way, the way I'm, I'm allowing this individual to treat me. Maybe I need to change my expectations, my belief, so that my behavior doesn't allow this in my life. Changing the belief changes behavior. Reexamination of formation can lead to a different place of belief that will drive different behaviors in our lives. This is where we're at. Romans is talking. This is starting off when it's talking about behaviors. It's why are you, what do you believe today? Cool. Then change the way you're believing. If we're going to jump into this. Go with me right now. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at the first part of what this is saying inside of here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The first responsibility in this process of believing 
is taking responsibility for your actions. The first step in, in behaving properly is taking personal responsibility for your choices. So number one, if you wanna write it down, our behavior is our personal responsibility. It is nobody else's responsibility, no excuses, your parents and how I was raised and you don't know and I'm underprivileged and my color of my skin and blah, blah, blah. It has nothing, your behavior, my behavior is directly, it is my responsibility, nobody else's. If we don't take ownership of that right now, here today, it doesn't matter. We'll never behave properly because we will always excuse the outcomes inside of our lives. When you get on the other side of like, well, you don't know, I got, a, I got this ticket. Well, you don't know, I was running late. You know, I had to get to this job, blah, 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 blah. We can have excuses all day long for outcomes inside of our lives, but personal responsibility is, I'm making the decision. I believe this is the best way to live. I'm positioning my life and planning it so that the outcomes are in alignment with my value system, in alignment with my belief. My behavior's in alignment with that. I'm getting it, I'm bringing all these things together. I'm putting them together. It is your responsibility, my responsibility. The first thing he says inside of here is, you give your bodies. You make the choice today. After all that God has done for you, you make this determination. You believe that you're a sinner. You believe that you're jacked up. You believe that Jesus has paid the price for your sin. You believe that God's grace has covered that. You know, his, his, his judgment isn't coming down. His mercies, you believe that in light of all that he's done for you because you believe it. Make this decision now to give your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Whoa, what is that saying? Hey, you give your bodies, mind, body, soul, all that you are, you get on the altar of God and get off the throne of yourself. You become the perfect living sacrifice. Sacrifice was a key uh, was very well understood at this moment in time. Sacrifice, the, the law of sacrifice. You get a blameless, spotless uh, animal. You take this to God. You present it to him. You sacrifice it. That is the atonement for your sin. There was a clear understanding that you had to bring something perfect to pay for your sin. And what is Paul saying? You make the choice. You make the choice to get off the throne and become the very sacrifice to God, a blameless. Now the pursuit's gotta be blameless and perfect. This is not a perfection. We're not a church that is about that life. We know we are fallen state, but the pursuit's gotta be, we're going for holiness and righteousness. We wanna present ourselves to God daily in the best position possible as a living sacrifice towards him. That's our responsibility to do that. In order to do that, we gotta get off of our throne. It can't be about us. It can't be about our thing. It can't be about what we want. We gotta get off the throne of our own, our, our, our own lives. We gotta give up that living sacrifices. He is God, we are the sacrifice. Not we are God and everybody else has gotta do for us. Start, that belief puts us in the right place of understanding. I like how Tulian says it this way. Tulian says it this way. He says, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when we come to the start of grace. It's the end of ourselves. You hear me say it all the time. When you come to the end of the cell, man, this is the start of, man, your humility to say, God, I need you. But we all got to come to this place like we're coming to the end of ourselves. It's not about us. You know, a key you can find inside of the scriptures in Luke chapter, I think it's 18. There you go. This moment in time where this Pharisee comes to church, this tax collector comes to church, and they're both in the same place for, you know, coming to church 
One is saying something with the right perspective. The other one is saying it with the wrong heart. And Jesus would use this reference on, on the, tax, or the, the Pharisee that's in there, this religious individual that's sitting there, and he's saying, man, look at, this. Look at how the scriptures say it. Verse number 11, uh, the Pharisee stood there by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. Look at the eye. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. God, that I am not like other people. I am not like cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. What is this you find here? I, I, look at how awesome I am. I'm so great. I'm so awesome. You ever had somebody take credit for the things that you do? You're like, wait, wait, I know spouses do it all the time. I do it all the time with my wife. She's an incredible doctor, but I'm 50% doctor, FYI, okay? <laughs> I've delivered a lot of babies this year. I brought life into the world and I'm saving them both and in Jesus' name, okay? <laughs> Don't even have to show up for the other side of it. I just get to be here for this, amen. But I get credit for it. I, I'm married into it, amen. <laughs> you ever had that? People take credit for what you do. Here's a, here's a sinner that's sitting there saying like, I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> I'm better than these guys. Look, I, I do this. Their tithing practice at this moment in time, they would tithe on Monday and Thursday because they believe uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, received the Ten Commandments, and he came down, on, uh, uh, he came down multiple days later on Thursday. And uh, this is whenever he, they would do their fasting. They did it based off of that. Now, this individual is a Pharisee. He's set up for religious success inside of his life. This is why we're judged on what we know, not necessarily where we're at. This is the hard thing about life. Hard thing about faith, you know, Jesus would tell a story where an individual came and worked for literally uh, one hour. He received the same wage as somebody that worked the entire day. And he says, who are you to say that I am not good? I'm going to give however much I want to give. If somebody gets saved at 50 years old and they serve me for 10 years to come to the Lord and you've been serving God for 60 years, it don't matter what God wants to do. He's going to pour out his grace and love on everybody that comes to know him. It doesn't matter, right? Our judgment's like, well, I should be better. I should be higher up on the hill in heaven or whatever it is. You got a Pharisee sitting here with a religious spirit saying, I'm not like everybody else. I'm actually better. I'm better than these. Look at I'm doing. Look at me. What is he doing? He's taking credit for what God has done as if he's done it for himself. I'll tell you today, don't take credit for what God has done inside of your life. Keep the pursuit of righteousness and holiness. Keep on allowing him to change you into a new creation. Don't take credit for that. Stay in humility to say, wow, my God is good. And if he is that good, you'll continue to be a living sacrifice every single day. Amen. I'll surrender to you, God. What do you want to do for my life? Yeah. How do you want to change me? How do you want to transform me? I'm here. I'm a living sacrifice for you. Living sacrifice for you. You flip over and you find the tax, uh, the tax collector. Where does he find himself? It says the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you this uh, sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. This is Jesus speaking. For those who exalt themselves, what? Will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Getting ourselves off the throne, keeping the right perspective. Our belief is we are jacked up, tore from the floor up. We are in desperate need of a savior. There is nothing good about us. He is only good. Keeps us in a humble place where man, we can receive Jesus for who he is and keep our lives at the altar. We got the right perspective in life. Jesus says, he's the one that is justified. And this is something to be careful inside of the church world because we can start looking through a lens on what we are doing compared to what others are doing. And it doesn't matter. 
behaviors, how we behave, this is the heart of God. How we behave, the heart of God. He wants us completely humble off the throne and completely submitted towards him. This is the reasonable thing to do. Daily, the reasonable. Now moving on, uh, it says this inside of uh, number two, if you, or we'll read, James chapter, no, let's jump over to Romans 12. Let's uh, do t- Romans 12 too. Romans 12, 2 would say this, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. The first part of here is don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. We know the enemy is the ruler of this world. If we go along with the flow of this world, more than likely, Jesus said this, you, are, uh, uh, you cannot serve two masters, right? You're either serving God or something else. He uses money in this illustration. He also says you cannot... Um, Uh, Another thing Jesus would say is uh, either you're working for me or you are working against me. There is no in between. It's not, hey, you know, I'm just a good person. No, you are working on behalf of the enemy to create a bad false ideology in our society that is anti-God, that is separated from God. You can't just be a good person. You are working on behalf of the enemy that is confusing the minds of people. Either you are working for him or against him. If you are working for him, you're in a place where you're saying, God, use me. I'm a living sacrifice in order to honor you. I'm not copying the customs and the behaviors of this world. This world in all of its madness is here to glorify itself, to keep man on the altar or on the throne of life. Jesus has come to dethrone humanity and put humanity in a place as living sacrifice, servants unto God. It's the reasonable thing to do. Jesus is on the throne. Amen? Amen. That's where it's at. We, man is dethroned. So we're either working for him or we're working against him. There is no like, we're just good people. Jesus come to establish his kingdom, restore relationship with the heavenly father, humanity unto the heavenly father. That is what we're here to do. So we can't copy the behaviors of this world, but we gotta be transformed. The transformation process uh, transforms us into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. Now we talk about the way we think. Let's go back to what we were originally talking about. The way we think is tied to our beliefs. If that, that, that belief needs to change, we gotta change our minds to get what? Our living to change. How does that happen? It happens through God's word. God's word changes the way that we think. If we've been accustomed to man's ideas and man's ideology and man's behaviors, more than likely we believe something to be true that actually is untrue, it's not biblical, and now our behaviors are in alignment with the God of this world and not the God of heaven. Today, how we treat people, how we speak to people, how we uh, live in relationship with each other, how we handle our finances, how we you know, choose to live out our careers, all these things is tied to a belief system that is in our formation process. Well, maybe some of that thinking that we have today, the beliefs, the values needs to be changed. In the changing, the behaviors are going to change. So he's saying this is change, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Here's the deal. We all want to know what God's will for us is. We all want to know what that good and pleasing, perfect will of God is. Here's the deal. You get wrapped up in a relationship with Jesus. You spend time with Jesus. You spend time in his word. You understand what the Bible says. You're not looking through a lens that is the world's lens and and, and trying to conform to world ideology. And you're stepping into a place where you're looking at God's word and you're being transformed into his likeness through his word. 
all of a sudden your perceptions begin to change, your living begins, your beliefs change because you wanna live in alignment with God's heart, your, I, your thinking changes, you've been renewed by God, and now you're moving in a direction where your behavior is in alignment with God's will. Because you've got the heart of God, you change the way you think. You think a certain way today, I think a certain way today. But can that be changed? It can be changed. I, you think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is an individual. What did he do? He came to Jesus without an agenda. What he, this man, Jesus, is coming to town. I'm going to crawl up on a tree. I'm a short stature. He was a realist, right? He's not sitting here like, I'm six foot tall. I, I feel like I'm six foot tall. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're six foot tall. You're four foot eight, okay? You gotta ver you're vertically challenged, okay? More than likely, you're not going to be in the NBA, except the fact that's the reality. There's only one Muggsy Bow. Muggsy Bow is just Muggsy Bow, okay? He was a, he was a freak, right? <laughs> so the point at which I'm making is, Zacchaeus, there you go. <laughs> he crawled up a tree without an agenda. What does he do? He wants to see Jesus for who Jesus is. He's a tax collector. Tax collectors are historically known for robbing people. I'm coming to see Jesus. When he sees Jesus, Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. Here's the deal. Jesus found himself in a place where he had accusations on his life because of his affiliation. Because of the affiliation, Jesus had false accusations. Here, this is, I'm not, I'll talk about the next point. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming up in your house. Your station in life, your place in life is not going to repel my love towards you. And so Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, a historical, historically known tax collector, which are thieves, known at this moment in time. Zacchaeus doesn't come with an agenda. He just comes to receive Jesus, receives him into his house. Now, here's the deal. Jesus makes an impact on Zacchaeus' life. And Zacchaeus goes from, I'm thinking and living this way to I change my behaviors and how I live. This encounter, this, this presence with Jesus changed him. And he began to behave in alignment with God's will, because Zacchaeus said this, I've been robbing people, stealing from people. Here's the, what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take back and give them double, not just what I stole from them, but I'm gonna give them double what I stole from them. You flip a chapter over, you find there's a rich young ruler, there's an individual that had all this wealth. He comes to Jesus with an agenda, not to receive Jesus for who he is, but to come to Jesus with an agenda on how do I receive eternal life? I have everything else, I wanna secure my salvation for the future. He says, hey, what you probably need to do because you got a lot of stuff, why don't you sell all that stuff and follow me? And the dude's like, nah, I ain't doing that. He was unwilling to get off of his throne as Lord. And Jesus said, get off of your throne. He said, I can't do that. And he walked away with his head down. One came with an agenda, the other one came to receive. This is a beautiful place inside of life. Whenever we want to be transformed, we gotta receive Jesus for who he is. We can't come with an agenda on, I wanna look like this and I want, I want just enough of Jesus to have this. And I just want a little bit, no, this is Jesus. We want to receive you for who you are. Here, you want to be transformed? You got to get around Jesus. Yeah. You want to be transformed? You got to get into his word. Yeah. That's hard work. We're all, number two, if you want to write it down, we are all a work in process. All of us are a work in process. This is a process of being changed from who we were in the image of man into the likeness of God, right? This is a beautiful place for us. What do we want? You know, somebody asks you like, uh, so, um, you got any brothers and sisters? Be like, yeah, I'm a twin. So you should tell, I'm a twin. Like, really? Yeah. Jesus, me and Jesus are twins. You start telling people that. Me, me and Jesus are twins. I'm around him so much, man. You know, the thing about twins is they, they, think, they, they feel like they're telepathic sometimes. Isn't that crazy? 
You talk to them, like, I'm thinking the same thing they're thinking. They're like looking at each other like, this got weird real quick. I mean, <laughs> twins, they're like so close. Like we think the same things. We, we, we have the same mannerisms and behaviors. I'll tell you, we want to be a twin to Jesus. That's the point. That's the premise. We want our minds to be changed, our lives to be changed because we are so close to Jesus. Because if we're not close to him, who are we being transformed into the likeness of? More than likely the world, bad thinking with bad behaviors that's not biblical and we're in a place where our behaviors are gonna be in alignment with the will of God because we're not close to him. If we wanna be transformed, we gotta change the way we think. God's gotta change that way we think. How do you change? By being close. Being close. It's the same thing with your spouse. Any close relationship you have, more than likely over time, your mannerisms are gonna mimic each other because you are so close to each other. You're probably gonna begin to say the same things because you're so close to each other. It's the same thing with Jesus. You want transformation in your life, get close to Jesus so that you begin to speak like Jesus. You begin to behave like Jesus. Hey, I can sit up here all day long and beat you up upside the head on how your living is out of alignment with God's will. You are living in sin, but here's the deal. You don't believe that sin is wrong. So maybe if you get close to Jesus, your thinking will change because you've stepped into a relationship with a person that says, man, I've given my life for you. And these behaviors and these actions are constantly grieving me because you're not living to the best of your ability. You're not living as if you truly love me because if you loved me, you would follow my commandments. If you love me, you wouldn't be an adulterous individual. If you love me, you would not be a greedy person. You've seen the way in which I've lived. How can you continue to live like this? Zacchaeus had an encounter. The presence of Jesus transformed him. And his behaving began to change. And I'll tell you today, we as a people have become very accustomed to a certain way of living without ever thinking why we make these choices. The, the process of transformation, we're all in process. And we should all be in a process to be changed into the likeness of Jesus. The Bible would tell us that they should know us by our love. Acts 4, the disciples were seen as individuals that have been with Jesus because they were behaving like Jesus. I pray our church is like that everywhere we go, in our workplaces, wherever it is, in our families, they're like, dude, like, hey, I go to Pearl Street Church and I'm around Jesus a lot, amen. Jesus transformed me, should have that likeness to it, should have that peace to our lives. If we're gonna be changed and transformed, it's not for our glory, it's for his glory. It's not to make us famous, to make him famous. Yeah, right. So today, when it comes to this place, confront the belief, maybe bad belief, that is driving bad behavior. If you're living in sexual immorality, you're living in greed, you're living in relational dysfunction, you're living with unforgiveness inside of your heart, any behavior that's out of alignment with the expectations of God, there's a belief system in your life that is leading to behaviors that are out of alignment. Get close to Jesus so that he can change the way you are thinking so that your beliefs can shift, can shift. Last thing I'll leave you with is this. 
Our motive is love and our practice is grace. You flip down in Romans, Romans 12 is setting, hey, this is, this is where you need to be, change your mind, give your lives as a holy sacrifice towards him. In this, behaviors begin to change as you become in the likeness. Now moving on, it's, it jumps into a lot of behaviors. You wanna jump into behaviors, jump into chapter 13, 14, and 15. It's go all down the journey on not living in criticism or judgment and giving your lives up for the sake of others, living for the sake of other people. Your freedom may lead to somebody else's stumbling block. Don't just live in your freedom because that's your thing. Live in submission to God so that your living does not cause other people to stumble. You may have liberty to drink, but somebody else may be an alcoholic and they're struggling with that. Don't just drink it for somebody. It goes down the line on how to live. Okay, I'm not gonna get into those trenches today. But there's one thing it says inside of here and one thing that marks the Bible clearly about Jesus. Love was his motive. For God loved the world, he gave his only son. Love is the motive of restoration. Love is the motive of sanctification. Love is the motive of transformation. Love is the motive. Grace is the practice. It was grace that covered the woman that was caught in adultery. It was love that told her, hey, go and sin no more. It's, it's love that meets people where they are at. It's grace in the practice on how we actually do it. Yeah. So you flip down to Romans 12, verse number nine, it says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with, uh, other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Don't just pretend to love people. We live in a world that's all about pretending. I love you. I love you so much. Heather thinks it's weird, but there's like three pastors that I'm very close with. We say, we're dudes. We say we love each other to each other. Before we get off the phone, love you, bro. Love you, man. Love you, dude. Here's the deal, because I do. I do love them. It's a little awkward to say it as a dude, don't get me wrong, okay? That's why it's good to have good people in your life that are willing to press into areas that are uncomfortable for you. But once I got it good, me and James say we love each other, right? All the time. People think we're crazy. I love you, James. He always tells me he loves me. I'm like, I love you too, my dude. Why? Because I do. Everybody else, it's a, but James, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but we love each other. We don't just pretend to love each other. We love each other. That is lived out in every single, I mean, it's easy to pretend in this as I love you. How crazy has the past five years of our country been where it's all division and divide and race and color and belief and orientation and blah, 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 blah. And we can sit back and say, even myself included, here, here's the deal, I'm on the journey too to figure like, what does this mean? Ah, why are people looking at me this way and thinking this thing and saying these things? And why, well, I'm a white man, okay, is that not good, not good? Is it okay, is it not okay, you know? Like, I love people, I'm not this or that, but I, the people are saying I am, I'm not, I promise, I promise. <laughs> and you can live in this world where you're like, walking on eggshells, you don't know what to do. And, uh. But that's the customs of this world. The Bible tells us don't follow that stuff. Love people. As Christians, unconditional love. We just love people. Love them for where they're at, love them for who they are. But here's the deal. We want them to meet Jesus because the presence of Jesus can change Zacchaeus. A presence of Jesus can change me. <laughs> a presence of Jesus changed you. And if a presence of Jesus did all that for us, he could do it for them too. 
Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter six. It says this, but you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. I don't want to. Do good to those that hate you. Really? Oh, that's cute. Bless those who curse you. Okay. Pray for those who hurt you. I don't want to, right? Flipping down to verse number 32, it says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Oh man, Jesus, why you gotta hit me with a backhand? I like the front forehand, right? Better. Gotta hit me with a backhand like that. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. Ouch. I mean, that hurts. But we're no longer a part of this world. We're part of the kingdom of God. The behaviors in this kingdom are different than the behaviors in the world because our beliefs are different. Our belief is he loved us. He had grace on us. We don't deserve this, but he did it anyways. And now that we are redeemed by it, we're in this place now where our behavior should look like Jesus because we're twins. We spend so much time together. Whoa. Loving people that don't look like us, political beliefs, skin color, religious backgrounds. Let me just hit all the hot topics right now sexual orientation. What is the thing? This is the question I have for you. What is the thing in your life that disqualifies people from your love? What is the one thing in your life today that when you look out, what are people, what people disqualify themselves from your love based on your perspective? Jesus has no conditions for his love. We do. Why? Because there's flesh on our bodies and it's susceptible to sin. We interject our feelings into the equation and we disqualify ourselves from living the love that God would want us to. Don't get me wrong in here today. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. God has an expectation on righteousness and living. What did Jesus? Where are your accusers? They're, no, no, they're not in here. You are living an adulterous life. They aren't, your accusers aren't here because they're just as jacked up as you. It's just their sin is different. I'm, I'm giving you grace right now. This is the practice of grace. My love is in this relationship right now. I love you so much that I'm in this relationship. We're even having this conversation right now because I love you. My, my grace is my practice here. I got grace on you. But here, because I love you, hey, this type of lifestyle, it's gonna keep on living a failure and disappointment. Hey, woman that's caught in adultery, go and sin no more. You've experienced my grace. You've experienced my love. Will you live in a different belief system now that changes your behavior that you no longer live out of alignment with my will? This is where Christians, I included, me included, are called to be. And this may be the very thing that is the most challenging thing for us to do. This is what I believe. If we can press into the most challenging thing that we are facing today of people that are disqualified from our love based on whatever it is, I believe we'll find the most beauty on who God is. Because here's the deal. We ourselves have stood in a position with God before that our lives 
our lives should disqualify us from a holy God, but it's God lo God's love and his grace on us that he has loved us where we are at and has a plan and a will for our lives. So let's stand up to our feet today and I just wanna close in this. Close with this. If you today are not in a place where you truly have a belief and a true understanding and a knowledge of God's love for you, a complete understanding on like what this means to be 100% forgiven, uh, completely disqualified, but man, God's grace, and you are forgiven, you're in that, in that place. Maybe you're not in that place, if you're not there, man, I pray right now, you just begin to say, God, I want my heart to be in alignment with your heart, God. I want my perspective to see as you see. And maybe this is immersing yourself down the journey and in light of all he's done for you. Thinking about all the grace, all the forgiveness, all the mercy God has, has done for you. In light of all of that, can you sit here today and say, God, transform my heart into your likeness? That my heart would be transformed into your likeness that I can love as you loved me? That I, I can be as you want me to be here on this earth? That, that today my beliefs may shift and change so that my behaviors are in alignment with you? God, help me shift and change. Maybe today it's, you're, you're in this place where you, you know your fallibility, you know your shortcomings. You realize today that you are living less than God's design for you. It's, it's tied to your beliefs. You just haven't had enough pain and maybe you're in here today because the pain has been so much. And you're thinking, God, I wanna remove myself from the bad behaviors. It starts with Jesus. Because once you meet Jesus, there's a supernatural shift that happens inside of your life. Spirit gives life to spirit. It's the only way. Humans can't give life to spirit. It's spirit gives life to spirit. And the spirit of God gives life to your spirit. You have a transformation on the inside of your life. But here's the deal. You gotta come to the end of yourself so you can start with Jesus. And if this is you right now, just receive because his mercy is calling you into repentance. His mercy is calling you into repentance. The word repent is a literal, visible look like this. I'm living this way. Repentance is this. I realize I'm heading in the wrong direction. I'm going to repent. God, sorry for heading in the wrong direction. I'm taking a 180 turn inside of my life and I'm no longer living in the bad beliefs with bad behaviors, I'm changing my belief. I'm repenting of that life and I'm stepping into a pursuit of your life and I'm chasing after you. I've repented, it's a one, I'm walking this way, I'm turning and walking in a completely different direction. That's repentance. Start singing. His mercy calls us into repentance. If you realize how messed up you are, you can receive Jesus just like Zacchaeus did for who he is. You can be completely 100% transformed. As they sing this right now, just allow it to wash over you. Allow the transformation to start. And just receive Jesus.